Chair Gutierrez? Present. Vice Chair Poikert? Present. Commissioner Gilbert? Present. Commissioner Esvander? Present. Commissioner Gonzalez? Present. All present, two vacants. Thank you. And now our meeting minutes. We have meeting minutes there for October 25th. Did everybody get a chance to review those minutes? Move to approve the minutes from October 25th, 2023. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We look like we... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Already did. You already made a vote. Okay, you have a second. Second. All right. Mr. All Chairman? Oh, Aye. Go ahead. Any opposed? Okay. For some reason, mine was popping up blank. That's why I said, hold on a second. But it, it took a minute to load. Did, did I miss oral communication? Oh, you know what? You're right. We'll go ahead and do that next, sir. Thank you. Do we have any requests to speak on anything not on the agenda? No, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. Moving that we've de uh, accomplished that as well as the minutes. Let's go ahead and go to our first item. Hi, good evening, commissioners. I'm Jason Costa with the Rialto Planning Department. Our uh, our first project tonight is a conditional development permit number twenty. 23-0014, a request for a uh, water store. This request is at a uh, 1.96 acre existing shopping center in the southwest corner of East Baseline Road and North Sycamore Avenue. It's a uh, zoned community shopping center, C1A. The proposed operation will consist of the sale of water and ice, eight water dispensers with purified water, where customers will bring their own one, three or five gallon uh, jugs to collect the water. Uh, customers can also purchase packaged cube or crushed ice. They plan to be open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, and with one employee on duty at all times. For uh, this project, we nailed, we, I mailed uh, public hearing notices to all the property owners within 660 feet. This was published, the public, excuse me, a public hearing notice was published in the San Bernardino Sun newspaper and it was posted on site. We have not received any comments. This is CEQA uh, exempt under existing facility projects. Uh, planning's recommendation is to adopt resolution to approve conditional development permit number 2023-0014 to allow water store at 245 East Baseline road subject to the findings and conditions therein. Go and open public comment, then I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Jason, after that, go and open it up. Jason, a question I have for you before we um, see if we have any public comments or the applicant. Are there any other water stores in that shopping center? Uh, no, not in that shopping center. How, how are they? Do we have a lot of them in that area? Do you know? They're, they're there's one in the shopping center across the street, and there is one in the shopping center uh, caddy corner in the north uh, northwest corner of that intersection of uh, Riverside and Baseline. Okay, so we're going to have three of them within a quarter mile? Uh, thereabouts, are, yes. Is there that much money in water? I guess I'll ask the applicant that then. Uh, Mrs. Gallardo. Yeah, do we have the, the applicant maybe an opportunity? And then if, do, you know, do we have any requests to speak on this item by chance? No, not on this item. Okay, if the applicant can come on up, please. 
This is our daughter, Lily, and she'll be translating. Hi, if you can just please uh, state your name and your, your address for the record, I appreciate it. Yes, so I'm representing my mother. My mother's name is Maria Gallardo, and she is the owner of Lily's Water and Ice. Okay, your address for the record, please. And it's um, 295 South um, Baseline Road. Okay, thank you so much. So um, she's not concerned with the water stores being so close next to hers? Um, she says, um, Los Ambientes de las Rivas Rojas, um, business, uh, which is known as Rosa Quena and Agua. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're not going to put them out of business. I'm asking if she, <laughs> if, she could, <laughs> if she thinks she could survive in that climate, is what I'm asking. Yes. Yeah. So she's, she's aware, and um, there's also um, customers in that neighborhood that, we used to have a previous business in Colton where we used to reside there, but we decided to relocate out here in Rialto. Oh, okay, so this isn't your first time doing this type yeah, of business? Yeah, no, no. Okay. All right, I think probably in the future we need to look at, do we need to, talking to the staff, Jason, there, but it, to, I guess probably, I mean, obviously it's too, it, not for this one here, limit the, the amount in such a density area, maybe something we can look at. We could talk about it later, planning commission comments. But thank you so much. Do you have any questions of us? Thank you. Thank you. Did you guys have any questions? I have a motion? Move to close the public hearing. Second. Any opposed? No? Okay, do I have a motion? Move to adopt the attached resolution, Exhibit D. Uh to approve a conditional development permit number 2023-0014 to allow a water store at 245 East Baseline Road subject to the findings and conditions therein. Second. Second. All in favor. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you. the second item um, good evening chair and uh, members of the Planning Commission um, I'll be making the presentation on the second public hearing item tonight this is a project entitled the Casmalia and Linden Commerce Center it's been filed by ETC 3 Rialto CC LP the file numbers for reference are tentative parcel map number 2022-0002 um, also referred to as tentative parcel map 20541 and also conditional development permit number 2022-0016 and precise plan of design number 2022-0022 and environmental assessment review number 2022-0022. On this first slide here showing you an image of the project site. Um, the project site is comprised of five parcels of land that total 18.49 acres in size. Uh, it is located on the north side of Kesmalia Street um, between Linden Avenue on the west and Cedar Avenue on the east. <coughs> the site has a general plan land use designation of specific plan and a zoning designation of Renaissance specific plan. Within the Renaissance specific plan, this site is designated as employment, uh, which is an industrial designation within the Renaissance specific plan. Um, as you can see on the image here, you know, I've highlighted the boundary of the site in the red. Um, the site was previously developed <coughs> with two uses. Um, about three-quarters of the site was occupied by a company called Columbia Steel that had their steel fabrication uh, facility there. And then the lower left corner of the site was uh, operated by, it was a contractor storage yard operated by Jimco Construction. Um, so those, those uses are now gone from the site. Um, to the north, you can see there are existing single-family residences as well as to the east across Cedar Avenue. Uh, to the south, across Casmalia Street, you have a uh, industrial, uh, three industrial buildings that were built in about uh, 2020. And then to the west, you have about a 450,000 square foot um, warehouse building that was built in about 2013, 2014. Uh, so just to give you an idea of the surrounding area. And so what the applicant proposes to do is to consolidate those five parcels of land into one 18.49 net acre parcel of land and then redevelop the site 
with a 386,312 square foot industrial warehouse building. And so on this next slide, this is a copy of the parcel map. Um, so again, the applicant with this parcel map seeks to consolidate those parcels into one, one parcel. The minimum lot size required in the employment uh, designation is just over half an acre. Uh, so at 18 and a half acres, this, this parcel would greatly exceed the minimum lot size. Um, next slide showing you the uh, site design, the site layout. Uh, the image is oriented uh, with the north on the right side. Um, so we've got uh, north on the right, and um, east on the bottom, west, or excuse me, south on the left, and then west on the top. And so what the applicant proposes to do is to build their 386,000 square foot warehouse closer to the north end of the site. Um, they will then place the truck court on the south side of the building facing Casmalia Street and the existing warehouses to the south. So the, it's been laid out specifically so that the truck court won't front or face any of the uh, residences uh, near the site. Um, then uh, this site, will, uh, the truck court uh, will accommodate uh, 107 truck uh, spaces. And then there will be passenger vehicle parking areas <coughs> on the east, south, and west sides of the building. And those areas will accommodate the parking of up to 167 passenger vehicles. Um, the site has been laid out with consideration of those residences to the north and to the east. Uh, specifically, the applicant has incorporated uh, increased uh, buffers uh, on the north and east, and then also on the west side too, uh, greater than what are required by the municipal code and the Renaissance specific plan. Um, there is about a uh, uh, 60 to 70 foot setback from those uh, residences to the north, to from them to the building. Specifically, there's a 25-foot landscape planter that would be immediately adjacent to those homes. And then on the east side, where the other residents are, um, there will be a 30-foot landscape setback along the frontage. Uh, then it would be passenger vehicle parking areas, and then, then the another landscape planter before you get to the building. Um, so both of those areas have been designed so that there will not be any truck activities occurring against those residents and that uh, the landscape buffers have been increased beyond what the minimum requirements are. Um, next, uh, there will also be six driveways that will provide access to this project site. I've indicated the locations of each of them there with the red arrows. Um, as you can see, there are uh, two driveways connected to Linden Avenue, the northerly driveway, which is on the right side of there of the map. Uh, that would be for passenger vehicles only. Um, then the one on the left side of the map on Linden, which would be the south driveway. Uh, that would facilitate both trucks and um, passenger vehicles. However, there's a condition of approval in the resolution that uh, prohibits the trucks from coming or going north on Linden. Uh, so they would all have to, to use Kesmalia and then Linden just straight to the driveway. Again, in an effort to prevent trucks from going north into those more sensitive areas. Um, then you have the two driveways connected to Kesmalia Street. Those will be facilitated, facilitate truck movements. Um, and then the two driveways on Cedar Avenue will both be just for passenger vehicles only. Again, this was done in consideration of the residents to the east so that there will be no truck movements on Cedar Avenue from this project. Moving on to the floor plan. Again, it has that orientation just to fit it on the screen here for you. Um, so the building will be comprised of uh, 376,000 square feet dedicated to storage space and then up to 10,000 square feet for office space. Um, the offices will be located at either, either the southeast or southwest corners of the building or possibly both. Um, and then the building will have 54 dock high doors on the south side of the building, again facing away from the residence. The building itself will, will buffer the truck court. Um, next here, showing you uh, a rendering of what the building would look like. Uh, this is um, an image if we were standing at the corner of Casmalia and Cedar, looking northwest uh, towards the building. So you can see the, uh, the office facade there at the corner. Um, then the full set of elevations are included in your packet. Um, and as you can see from the elevations, this building will uh, offer a significant amount of uh, both horizontal and vertical wall plane articulation. Uh, the building will have uh, significant variations in height from 42 feet up to 49. Uh, the exterior of the building will be built of concrete tilt-up walls. 
painted uh, in a palette of four different colors. Um, the building will also feature wood tile accents, metal eyebrow accents, glazing, and reveals. Uh, this is a uh, landscape slide. Um, as I mentioned earlier, with those increased uh, set uh, buffers, the landscape coverage is at a at a pretty hefty 17.9%, um, whereas the minimum requirement is 10%. And those are again primarily coming for those increased setbacks: the 30-foot setback on on Cedar Avenue, a 40-foot setback on Casmalia Street, and a 50-foot setback on Linden Avenue. Uh, the applicant will also install landscaping in the public right-of-way parkways. They will plant drought-tolerant plants throughout all the planters, trees every 30 linear feet, and an abundant amount of shrubs and ground cover throughout all the planters around the perimeter of the site. Um, next, moving on to some of the traffic analysis. There was a, uh, a traffic analysis prepared by Urban Crossroads. It is attached to your agenda report. The trip generation estimates that this project will generate up to 268 uh, truck trips daily and up to 398 uh, passenger car trips daily. Uh, the study analyzed 12 intersections. In the study, it determined that there were cumulative impacts to three intersections. And these are these are these three intersections we've seen on a lot of projects. It's the Alder Avenue 210 ramps and the Alder Avenue Kesmalia Street intersection. Um, the study recommends certain improvements in order to get those intersections at an acceptable level of service, which include uh, items such as modifying the timing of traffic signals, restriping existing right-of-way to add additional lanes, and then um, also just adding uh, additional lanes at the ramps. That should say 210. Um, and then uh, the study determined a fair share fee of $284,048. And these improvements are actually part of an ongoing, the ongoing Alder Avenue interchange improvement project. Um, so that, that's a project that's We've talked about, again, several other projects that's actively under construction now, um, and the applicant will be just be paying their fair share towards that ongoing construction project. Um, continuing on, uh, in terms of California Environmental Quality Act, um, there was an addendum to the program environmental impact report for the Renaissance specific plan that was prepared by TMB Planning. Um, the addendum attached before the uh, commission tonight determined that the project will not result in any new impacts that were not previously analyzed in the Renaissance specific plan EIR, um, nor would the project cause a substantial increase in the severity of any of the environmental impacts that were previously identified in the Renaissance specific plan EIR, and any potential impacts uh, from the project would be the same or less than those that were previously analyzed in the Renaissance specific plan EIR. <laughs> Um, next slide, additionally, in conjunction with the project, the applicant has proposed uh, voluntary contributions. Uh, specifically, they've pr proposed uh, to contribute uh, one-time monetary contribution of $175,000 that would go towards public safety and public facility needs in the city. Um, they will additionally go uh, beyond what the normal requirements are with some of the street improvements, uh, specifically proposing to repave the eastern half of Cedar Avenue along their entire frontage, um, and then also proposing to repave the eastern half of Linden Avenue um, from the northern edge of their project up to the intersection of Norwood, the northern limit of the intersection of Norwood, which is a, a next street up. Um, additionally, that 25-foot uh, landscape uh, buffer between the residents to the north and the site, the applicant proposes to install 48-inch box trees in that planter instead of the usual 24-inch box trees. So the project before you tonight is, is consistent with the employment land use district of the Renaissance Specific Plan. It's also consistent and exceeds the requirements of Chapter 18.112 indoor storage facilities of the Rialto Municipal Code, and it is consistent with the industrial land uses to the south and west of the site. Um, again, as I mentioned, the truck court has been laid, uh, the site has been laid out so that the truck court is placed on the south side, away from the sensitive uses to the north and to the east of the site. Concrete screen walls will be installed around the truck court, and extensive landscape buffering will be provided throughout the site in order to minimize uh, impacts uh, to the neighboring uses. Uh, the project will serve to redevelop and improve an existing industrial site uh, with the highest and best use that is accommodated by the employment land use district. Um, there were also public hearing notices that were mailed out for this project to all property owners within 1,000 feet of the project site, and that notice was published in the San Bernardino Sun newspaper. 
Um, there have been no comment letters uh, received as of this time. And with that, the staff recommends that the Planning Commission adopt the resolutions uh, before you tonight, um, adopting the addendum prepared for the project and approving the tentative parcel map, the conditional development permit, and the precise plan of design. And that concludes the staff presentation. Uh, the applicant has provided their own presentation, which a copy has been provided to each of you, and I can also queue it up onto the screen here um, whenever you're ready to hear that. Do you have any questions for Dan? I have. Um, on the uh, contribution went to 175,000. Is that is that including included, or does that include the repaving of half a cedar and the other um, half a linden, that's or is that separate? That's a good question. That is separate. Separate. Yes. Okay. So there will be the 175,000 dollar contribution plus the repaving and mm -hmm. plus the larger size trees. Thank you. Are the developers the same ones that's using that for storage now? Because there's a whole bunch of junk on that property. You know, I, I don't know that. Uh, maybe we yeah. can get that information from them if they're already starting to store some material on site. But all that will be removed once the building's built. Yes, absolutely. Anything that's on site now will be removed, demolished, et cetera, to accommodate the development. Daniel, this, this area seems to be adjacent to a, a, a Quite a few large warehouses and you have quite a few other ones that are built right in front of it that are empty for advertising do you feel or maybe at an overproliferation of large warehouses in that area so dense right next to those houses so my understanding is that um, the larger buildings tend to fill up quicker than the smaller buildings um, from what i've my experience talking to some of the our brokers that do business in town is that basically Anything that's about at that 100,000 or larger tend to fill up pretty quickly, um, whereas those ones that are smaller are where they're seeing a little more vacancy. Hmm. It seems to be there's a lot of activity pedestrian traffic in that particular area. Mm -hmm. When is that going to be finished? Yeah, Take the Alder Avenue interchange project. Yeah, it has the finish date on. There's a there's a board uh, that's been posted for the public to see. And if I recall correctly, it says that they anticipate about summer of next year, 2024, that the project so would be completed. Okay for next year then. It's an ongoing under construction no, I meant project. This project. Oh well, this project would not be finished in that time, if if that's what the concern is. That you know, from tonight, their next step would be to go into plan check for construction drawings, and you know, construction once they start that is probably minimum 12 months, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So the Alder Interchange project should be completed long before that. It's, it's an active ongoing construction project. Yeah, I have a question, Isaiah. You said that in the beginning the trucks will only be, we can only go to the out driver to the right. They can't go left. Is that what you're saying? But when they're coming out of yeah, what goes stop from going to the left? Well, that's a good good comment. Good question. Uh, there are conditions of approval that are placed on the resolution before the commission tonight uh -huh. that direct the trucks where to go. One of the conditions also includes uh, installing signage at the driveways, mm -hmm. again, also directing the trucks where to go. And uh, at that point, it becomes you know monitoring and enforcement. Once there's mm -hmm. a tenant in there, <coughs> if the city becomes aware of an issue where the trucks are, let's say, going north on Linden through the neighborhoods, uh, since there's a conditional development permit, yeah. that's where we could bring it back to the commission if we need to, to enforce it. Similar to Target. Yes. That they had. But yeah, they this one, there they is a conditional fall. permit. Correct. That's a nightmare for the community right next to it. Same condition. Right. Okay, let's go and open the public and then um, give the you applicant, the applicant presentation. Yeah, applicant okay. opportunity to speak, yeah. Please give them that. Have to use the mouse. I don't see the remote. Yeah, you just roll. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Casey. Uh, good evening, Planning Commissioners. Thank you for hearing our application this evening. My name is Peter Schaefer with Aries Industrial Management. We're the owners and developers of the subject property. Aries acquires existing and develops new first-class industrial buildings across the country that we hold and manage for the long term internally. This model of long-term ownership requires us 
To construct buildings to the highest standards to attract first-class businesses as our tenants today and in the future. The subject site has a long history of industrial use. There were two different businesses operating at the time Aries acquired the property in December 2021. The southwest corner of the site was owned by Jimco Construction, who operated a railroad repair and maintenance company, using the site as a laydown yard for materials and equipment, and a small office building and small storage building. The remaining three quarters of the site was owned by Columbia Steel, who operated a steel fabrication business dating back to 1985. There's a 75,000 square foot metal building in the northwest corner with the loading areas immediately adjacent to the residential neighborhood to the north and loading doors that were left open during operations. 10-ton cranes move steel through the shop to the various pieces of heavy equipment used in production. Steel beams were stored and handled in a large outdoor storage yard with diesel-powered equipment and large mechanical conveyance system. Site paving deteriorated over, deteriorated over time. There's little or no provisions for dust control. The office buildings had asbestos-containing materials. There's no stormwater management system. Stormwater from the site simply sheet flowed to the southwest corner of the site where it spilled onto Casmelia and into the public storm drain system. The proposed 386,000 square foot building will be a class A speculative industrial building designed for a host of uses but most likely warehouse and distribution, which is why we're seeking the conditional development permit tonight. It's been designed to serve the local economy today and in the future. The project features a large truck court oriented away from the residences, screened from the public view, and has 54 loading docks and 56 trailer parking stalls. There's approximately 200 linear feet of on-site truck queuing at the entrance on Linden and approximately 78 feet of on-site truck queuing at the entrance on Cosmelia, with an additional 240 feet of queuing in the center median lane. This center median would also prohibit trucks from making a left out of the Cosmelia uh, drive approaches. But this abundance of parking and queuing is all provided for operational efficiency for the tenant, but also so trucks stay off city streets and do not impede traffic. The building features abundant windows and skylights, and the support columns are spaced in a grid measuring 56 by 60 feet, providing bays that measure 3,360 square feet of clear span space. We're seeking LEED Silver certification from the U.S. Green Building Council, and the low-impact stormwater development, or excuse me, the low-impact development stormwater management system collects stormwater, treats it, and filters it back into the ground through massive infiltration chambers. Before we acquired the site, we initiated a public outreach campaign to understand the neighbor's sentiments on the past use and of our proposed development. We engaged Kennedy Communications, a public affairs consultant, to engage the closest residences on both sides of Norwood to the north and on Cedar Avenue to the east, totaling 43 residences canvassed. Multiple visits were made to each residence and materials describing the proposed development were distributed. Most feedback we received expressed gratitude that Columbia Steel was moving out, complaining about excessive noise and dust. Several respondents were supportive, were okay with the development, and a couple said they wish something else would be built. Working with the city planning department, we also hosted a community meeting at the Sunrise Church at Ayala and Riverside Avenue. Feedback was a mixed bag. Negative comments were related to warehouse development in general. There are some questions about the truck routing. The residences didn't want trucks using Linden or Cedar. And after outlining the proposed truck route, most were, or they seemed to be satisfied uh, with the proposed truck route. Many, many of the respondents 
um, thought the development would be a big improvement over the Columbia Steel operations. We also presented the project to the Economic Development Committee where we received support from council members and city staff. Overall, we believe this development is a positive contribution to Rialto. It will bring a modern facility to remove blight and strengthen the economy, add local jobs so residents are not commuting to Ontario, Anaheim, and LA. $300,000 of school fees for the Rialto Unified School District. $3 million in public right-of-way improvements constructed with the building, including new sidewalks, curbs, gutters, landscaping, street paving, and undergrounding of the overhead power lines. Over $2 million in development impact fees, including about $1.1 million for transportation, the additional $284,000 in fair share contributions, and the voluntary contributions Daniel mentioned. The development will be, will be built substantially with union labor, ensuring good wages and local sourcing, including the Laborers International, carpenters, electricians, operators, plumbers, and pipe fitters. Appreciate your consideration and happy to answer any questions you may have. Any questions? I have a question. How far, how far away from the uh, Ferguson Park is this warehouse located? Um, I do not have that exact distance. About a mile away. Andy, David, would you have to Ferguson Park? It's about 2,000 feet from the school. Yeah, Ferguson Park in Las Colinas. Mm -hmm. It's easily, uh, I'd say, two miles or two more. Miles. Yeah. Okay. About the Carter High School, right? It's about the same, right, across the street? Yeah, Carter High School, much further north of this, of this site on Linden. And the reason for that question is because of the buffer zone. Because I'm, I'm, my concern is with um, pollution and all that kind of stuff. Of course. And the traffic. And yeah. I have a few questions. Sure. The, so what is the height of the warehouse view from the residents? I know we're buffering it out. I know it's distance. It, it creates an illusion there. Maybe not as look as big. Yes, um, the warehouse, the, the internal clearance is 40 feet, so that translates to a maximum ridge height about 48 feet. Um, the overall area does slope downward from north to south, so there's about a six foot difference between a property line to the edge of the building where it steps down. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's the, the existing wall that's back there. We are sensitive to that impact. Um, that's why we're proposing larger trees so we get to mature trees, you know, a couple years quicker than, than you would otherwise. Um, they're pepper trees, great for screening, evergreen, yeah. um, wide canopies. Two, two things. So we, we have obviously, you heard some of our comments, we have a lot of warehouses in our city. Sure. It's probably more than we need uh, to some people's opinion. Um, some of the larger ones are dug in deeper into the ground so that way they're not such an eyesore like Target. It's, there's a ginormous one next to a whole residential community and you wouldn't know it's there mm -hmm. because it's, it's down. Is that something you're open to or in, in, have you thought, did you think about that for one and are you open to it? That's the other, that, the first question I have for you. The other is, the, these other these other fees, I mean, they, they go toward helping pay for offsetting things, but the reality um, on the ground is that the increased vehicle and truck traffic that is caused by a lot of these, it's it's real, real time every day. Mm -hmm. And it's impacting a lot of folks. And we're not really, it's not really your concern because it's the city's concern, but we're not addressing the labor demand on uh, traffic enforcement, on the need for additional traffic enforcement officers. Sure. So with that, I mean, uh, the 175,000 toward public safety, I mean, that's, that's like three months of an FTE that really isn't much. But what I was thinking, maybe entertaining the idea of, of funding of overtime for one FTE traffic officer for a few years once it's built to help offset that, if that'd be something you'd be open to. Uh, I'll take the questions one at a time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, so we, we did not consider um, building the warehouse into the ground. Um, not something I've honestly studied before. Uh, I tell you, our grades are governed by the existing streets okay. where they are. Um, so there's those, those are really your 
uh, guideposts and you civil engineer the site from there. Um, so there's a lot of cut coming from the back of the site, filling uh, to, uh, the north of the site, filling to the south of the site to kind of balance and have a level building. Um, but that's something we haven't considered. Um, and onto the transportation impacts, um, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly sensitive uh, to those concerns. The city's obviously seen a lot of growth. Uh, I think population almost tripling in the last 40 years and yeah. um, a lot of growth in the, in the recent term. Um, you know, with that, I, I would say that the contribution was crafted in consultation with city staff. We don't pretend to be the ones to know best where to put it. So um, that's, you know, with, uh, um, you know, with Colby and Daniel and, you know, that, you know, crafting the language there to give the city some leeway and putting the money where it's, where it's needed and commercial vehicle code enforcement certainly being one of those buckets. Um, and I would just add that, you know, all development has impacts. Um, you know, the transportation analysis is rigorous. The CEQA process is rigorous, none of which showed any significant impact from the project. Um, and interestingly, we also did an alternative use analysis looking at other uh, uses that are allowable under the Renaissance specific plan. You know, warehouse is actually a low intensity land use. Um, you look at, um, even a 313,000 square foot manufacturing building on the site, uh, you'd have almost double the trips. A 274,000 square foot office, significantly more than that. Um, and a 196,000 shopping center, trips over 7,000 according to the same models, modeling software we use to uh, model these projects. And so, and then the imp uh, impacts are equally proportional for the air quality uh, and greenhouse gas emissions as well. I mean, warehouses significantly under any of those other three yeah, alternatives. Yeah, I mean, the, the concern there, though, uh, absent the initial jobs of, of, of uh, skilled labor that comes in to, to build the warehouse, once that's gone, mm -hmm. warehouses are very highly automated. They don't really create much high-income jobs, so it's kind of a farce a little bit, I think, if you, if you look at it long-term. Uh, you have a few skilled to automate the work to man to maintain the machinery that's aut the highly automated part of it so that's the other thing it eats up a lot of real estate that doesn't really change hands and increase property value sale over time it's a slow bleed so yeah. th i think that's that's the other real reality of huge warehouses especially when it's adjacent to so many of them Sh sure and in uh, that low intensity comes with fewer jobs than an office or 100% right. manufacturing, of course. Um, I would just note that, you know, Columbia Steel employed about 100 people, starting at 15 bucks an hour. Um, a warehouse of this size, you'd expect to have 300 plus employees, just depends on how many shifts and, yeah. and how that's arranged. Um, and those typically start at $20 an hour and up from there. The automation uh, is certainly part of the business, but it's really the impact is significantly more on these fulfillment centers where you're talking about 50 plus clear buildings, multiple mezzanine decks, yeah. robots retrieving um, product, and the significant majority of these type of buildings. And frankly, a fulfillment center wouldn't look at this as a, as a great building. We don't have some of the features that, yeah. that they would want, but it is, the, the building does have great bones. I mean, we looked at doing nothing to the project, but restriping the truck yard to add some auto parking. You could get to about 182,000 square feet of manufacturing, 192,000 square feet of warehouse and 10,000 square feet of office space. And that's a very realistic mix for someone who's doing manufacturing. You're never gonna have a building that's 100% manufacturing. There's incoming, there's outgoing. Um, so having a building like this is it intended to be cycle-proof and be leased for a long time. So, I mean, we're long-term owners. We think about these things. Um, today, this market, it's, it's a warehouse building. I wouldn't be surprised if a manufacturer came along, but that's not you know, that's, that wouldn't be my first guess, but 10 years from now, who knows, in a city that has existing high quality product yeah. is gonna be able to offer space to a manufacturer or someone else coming in at a lower cost than if you're developing from the ground up 10 years from now.
Thank you so much for your answer. So you're the owner and you're the, uh, it's not I've worked for the ownership, yes. I okay. wish I was personally the owner, that would, that, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, do you have somebody in mind that you can bring in, or are you going to? Um, at this time, it, it'd be too early to identify, but I mean, we, we lease to a, a, a host of different retailers. Um, Third-party logistics companies are, are probably the biggest share of the leasing market right now. I think somewhere between 30 and 40 percent, depending on which market you're looking in across the country. Um, and so that, that's a company that specializes in logistics. Right. They may have one client. It could be Lowe's or Home Depot in there. Typically, th those companies will do their own, but oftentimes these third-party logistics companies will have a couple different clients that they're servicing from the same warehouse. Makes sense. All right. Thank you. Appreciate sure. it. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. One more question, sir. Sure. Oh, yes. Excuse me. Sorry. How are you going to ensure the uh, trucks are going to stay off Linden and Cedar? Um, well, for Cedar, uh, a truck couldn't even make the movements to utilize those drive approaches on, on that side of the street. Um, like, I don't know how to operate this, but going back to the site plan, those drive approaches are designed for automobiles. Um, a truck couldn't physically make those turns. Um, Linden, uh, there is a truck drive approach on Linden. Um, and, you know, Daniel mentioned there's enforcement within the conditional development permit. And I would just say for practical purposes, the closest way to the freeway is getting on the 210 at a Ayala. So um, it, uh, you know, there's signage and other provisions there, but, um, you know, we, as long-term owners, we have an interest in making sure our tenants operate uh, correctly. We uh, put these kind of conditions that affect the project and operations in their leases. So we maintain our own um, layer of enforcement, you know, underneath the broader city umbrella of the conditional development permit. And Cedar? Yeah, Cedar, um, again, I, I, it's not even physically possible for a truck to use those drive approaches. So um, I, I suppose if you're saying if they're coming down Cosmalia, you know, again, they can't turn left on Cosmalia from, from the project. So if they're coming out the Linden drive approach, making a left, and then making a left up Cedar, um, there's no physical impediment to stop them from doing that. I, I don't think it's a efficient truck route, but again, would be, um, you know, subject to commercial vehicle code enforcement and, you know, the conditional development permits on the line at that point. So um, that, that would be the governor there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Do you have any requests to speak on this item? We do. <clears throat> First one, please. First speaker is Kenny Lundgren. Speaker John Leno. Hi, Mr. Leno. If you'd please state your address for the record, please. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, again, th uh, good evening, commissioners. My name is John Leno. I live at 1557 West, West Norwood Street, uh, Rialto, California. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, and by the way, living in that location, I have a warehouse directly behind me. And I see no problem with that. I know there's 17 houses that are behind this proposed project, and uh, and I know there's concerns there. But I know with my place and our neighbors, why we really have no problem with that. The height will be about the same, uh, and so yes, it, it does block your view a little bit. But directly across the street from the proposed project is another set of warehouses. They're approximately the same height, so uh, you know it doesn't really affect it that much. I know that uh, the proposed project currently has homeless and graffiti uh, all over the project, and homeless have been breaking into the project, so I know we'll be glad as neighbors to see that blight gone from the neighborhood. Uh, and I'm in favor of the project. Uh, I know people complain about too many warehouses, maybe we could have an apartment house or more housing, but uh, 
I think that uh, the warehouses with their landscaping and it's maintained uh, year round and the uh, trash is picked up where now trash is uh, a problem with McDonald's down the street why there are still people are going to be discarding their trash but at least at the warehouse property the people that are maintaining it will be picking that up and so it'll be much of an improvement. When we had the meeting neighborhood meeting back on December 1st of 2021 uh, I was present and uh, at the time I made mention that I suggested that this project have solar panels. You've got 383,000 square feet of roof. Why doesn't this city require solar panels on top of all of these warehouses? Uh, we need the electricity. We don't need to be buying electricity or using up our natural resources for electricity when we've got all that square space uh, for solar panels. Also, State of California 2035 uh, will be requiring all new vehicles to be uh, zero emission. So again, at the meeting, I recommended that we have charging stations for the trucks, charging stations for the employees, charging stations for visitors, uh, because most of our vehicles, over 40% of the vehicles sold in the state of California now are, are electric, uh, all electric or hybrid. And so with charging stations, that would be a great benefit for the area and uh, would cut down on the emissions from the trucks and from the vehicles coming in. And we've seen the project here this evening. It it's time. gives the account of trucks that'll be coming and Thank you, sir. We'll take it as a support for the project. Thank you. Three minutes. Also. And that's it, sir. Okay, that's my time? Yeah, three minutes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. The next speaker is Nathaniel Lopez. Can I make a comment? Yes. When he was talking about the solar, the reason the city does not yeah. require it I was is that they get Rialto City utility tax off of that so they really don't want solar on the buildings <laughs> yeah that's that's an interesting opinion there might be some there but yeah it's I don't know where that gentleman went where did he go yeah no it, we do have a, a utility tax that the city weighs heavy on heavy on um, probably without that utility tax we'd go bankrupt because there's not a lot of sales transfers in the city we don't have a lot of point of sale which is an unfortunate but um, warehouses aren't point of sale other than um, Metline, which is awesome. They're a point of sale. There's no sales tax revenue from any of the warehouses that I know of in Rialto other than that one. One more time? No, I'm just telling you the reality of what the city utility tax generates from. That's it. No opinion whatsoever, just stating the statement. So go ahead, sir. Can you please state your address? For the record, after your name, please. Yes, my name is Nathaniel Lopez, and uh, my address is 743 North Idlewild Avenue, okay. right here in the city of Rialto. Okay. I've been here about 15 years. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to say that I'm in favor of, of uh, the project. Um, the project and the developer, especially with using um, union workers to build the project, as we don't have to travel so far away to, you know, for, to work. I mean, right now, I mean, I've had a job in Santa Clarita. You know, I have another, we always work in Orange County or Los Angeles. It's just, it's just way too far from home to go. You know, I'd, I'd love to see this project be built right here locally uh, uh, in the city. And uh, I just wanted to say I'm in favor of the project. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Anybody anywhere else request? The next speaker is Eddie Campos. Mr. Campos. Oh, Eddie, if you could please state your address. Yeah, my name is Eddie Campos. Um, I'm here in favor for the project simply because the developer is being very responsible on how they build their projects. They're being responsible to the city, even going as far as every time we hear about them, okay. uh, making sure that the truck routes are not going to impact their, their neighbors. Okay. It seems to me like they were very sensitive to being so close to the neighborhoods that they they probably look at, looked at that before anything else. Can you please provide your address, please? Yes, I live in the city of Fontana. Okay. 
Um, once again, I do represent 800 members of the union of the union carpenters here in the city of Rialto. Um, we would not want them to be driving to LA anymore. Yes, you guys always bring up the fact that once they're done, they're gone. That's completely true. But when they are working here, they, they uh, the, the time that they're here, they get to enjoy it with their families. We got a sister here that's gonna be speaking soon. She's here with their, with their kids. Why? Because she's working out in Orange County, taking three hours to get home. So she needs to, she needs to be here with the kids to be able to speak on this because she'd rather work down the street and have to work three hours, I mean, drive three hours home in the afternoon. She could spend, even if it's two months, that's two months that she's gonna enjoy with the family, with their kids. So I am in favor of the, of, of the project simply because I want my union brothers and sisters to be close to home and the developer is very responsible. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do we have anyone else wishing to speak? Two more. Okay. The next speaker is Selena Gomez. Ms. Gomez. Sorry, Gonzalez. Oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Gonzalez. If you could please state your address for the record, I appreciate it. Uh, hi, I'm Selena Gonzalez, and it's okay, I get it a lot. Um, my address is 3383 North Poppy Drive, so um, right there by Casera and Carter. So literally, this is like minutes from me. Um, currently, right now, I am a third stage apprentice. I am working at the OC Sanitation, I'm doing finish work out there. Uh, it's been amazing and a blessing doing what I do. However, I do wish that I have more work, jobs close to home. So if this were to pass, like my brother had said, instead of me driving, literally waking up like at 3.30 to go work out in the OC, I could work here in Rialto. I've been a resident of Rialto for about 27 years. So it'd be nice to just to have my family close to home, well, to work close to home with my family, you know. Um, and I'm in full support of the industrial projects. And I know there's um, plenty of other families, members, union members out there who are just like me, who struggle on a daily basis, working Monday through Friday and even overtime on Saturdays. Um, but I'm full in support. Okay, just wanted to make that known. All right, All right thank you so much. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, next speaker. Al Sanchez. Mr. Sanchez. How are you doing, council members? My name is Al Sanchez, I'm a member of Leuna. If you could please uh, provide your address for the record, please. So I'm here for our members that can't be here tonight, that have to get up really early and- Can you provide your address for the record, please? My address? Yeah, for the record. My address is um, 142 Polk Street, Oceanside, California. Oceanside, okay, yeah. thank you, sir. So we team up with developers like this because you guys already pays us a good union wage. That gives us a pension, that gives us insurance, annuity, um, I've been in the union almost 40 years. I've worked off Andreas Drive. I've worked on Winchester. I've worked all around Riverside, San Diego, LA. Um, the bottom line, these contractors care about, care about a good, safe job. We have apprentices that go through this program, certified by the state. Um, they, they, really, they really help out and they really want the right thing done here. And we hope that you guys support this, because we do. Um, thank you for your <coughs> Thank you. Do we have anyone else requesting to speak? We have one more, okay. Orlando Garcia. Mr. Garcia. Good evening, commissioners and uh, members of the public. My name is Orlando Garcia. And I know the Brown Act's a little vague on, uh, on requiring addresses as a commission. One more time. I said I know the Brown Act's a little vague on, on requesting addresses uh, from, from um, members of the public speaking at, a, at uh, uh, city planning commissions and, and councils. So I'll give you a little bit of background. I went to Boyd Elementary School, went to Jehu Middle School, went to Rialto High School, class of 2003, and I'm on Avenue Rapids. So I'm very familiar with this area. Been around, um, born and raised in this town. Um, you say I you live on, on Teakwood Avenue? What yeah. Avenue? Teakwood Avenue. Teakwood Avenue, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm familiar with the Brown Act, just, just so you're aware. Um, I'm, I'm in full support of this project. I know um, we, we're listening to the developers. These are the people that are experts in these type of things. They did the traffic analysis, uh, their, their EIR report, um, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate the questions you guys have because they're, they're legit. They're, they're questions that the community has. 
obviously they do their due diligence with the community. We have community members coming up in here um, speaking on, on behalf of the community and dating back to whatever date, December of 21, um, and still have the decency to come in here and speak uh, on behalf of these projects. If you drive down Casmalia, um, it's exactly what you see. These projects are gonna bring a lot of jobs, um, not only in the building process, but after the fact. If you go there, there's no jobs there right now. This city, this city needs the development. They're doing their due diligence. In my opinion, they're checking all the boxes. The Renaissance area is, is, is great over there. It's bringing light to the city. Um, anything above that 210, um, just uh, uh, east of the, the residential there, um, is zoned for this type of work. Um, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer to me that, that we uh, push these type of projects through because it, it gives people in the community, like, like Selena here, um, opportunity to live and live and continue to work in this area. Um, we have a lot of people traveling out of this area, and we're in hopes that you know some of the kids from Eisenhower and Carter High School would have an opportunity um, that are graduating that would have an opportunity to work on the project. Not only this project, but very similar projects like this. Um, ap after construction, there's still opportunity there, but uh, I think you guys need to really consider about uh, pushing these projects through to give the uh, the city and the people of the the direct. Um, residential area an opportunity to, to live and work in their com community thank you for your time thank you we have one more okay <clears throat> hugo ayala hello hello uh, my name is u ayala i live right across the street uh, of the uh, driveway that is uh, being implemented in this project so what's the 2147 north cedar avenue okay uh, i'm a 